Fantastic. How are you guys this morning? Good. Welcome to Vintage. We're glad you're here. Uh, you know, we've been going through this series on um, the journey for a season now. And as we discussed at staff um, a, a while back, you know, going into this Easter season, we, uh, we really want to focus on, you know, empowering you guys and, and, and the reality of that you have been empowered to go outside the walls and to be Christ's hands and his, and his feet and his voice and his smile uh, to other people in the world. And so I hope that you're, you're getting that in the reality of part of what we heard, you know, last week. Steve was encouraging you guys to kind of go out, you know, and, and watch for the nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I got, I got two texts this week from different people, not calling to brag, just calling to be excited because they, they went out and like one person was like, it's only been 36 hours and I've already talked to my doctor. I've talked to the person in the elevator. I talked to the person at the mailbox. They just, they list about six places that they've been and everywhere they went, they felt like this nerds to, to do something to connect with somebody or to pray for somebody, right? I mean, how fantastic is that? That, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and taking a risk to join God in what he may want, be wanting to do in this world and, and church is not just about coming to a building, right? I mean, that, that's what it's about, and that's, that's what we're here for, and that's what we're, we're focused on this morning. So if you have your, your Bibles, if you want to turn with me, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17, and we're going to just kind of talk through a few different things, and, and let me share some of my heart with you this morning. I'll begin reading in verse, in verse 14, again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. There is an exclamation point after that word come. And that's what we're talking about this morning. If anything, we're talking about the exclamation point at the, at the end of this passage. You see, this reality is, is, as you heard me say before, and Steve talks about it, that when we become Christians, it's not just about praying a prayer and receiving Jesus as Lord over our life so that when we die, we get to go to heaven. The reality is that, that we make him Lord and Savior and he sends his spirit to be to be a deposit within our lives. And the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive within you and within, within me. And we we are still ourselves. You know, Mike is still Mike and Steve is still Steve. But actually, we begin a process in, in theology terms we call sanctification, where actually Steve is growing to be more Steve than he's known himself to be all his life. Because he's growing to be the Steve that God created him to be, not the Steve that was born into the nature of sin, that has, has lived his life trying to put on makeup and camouflage himself and, and live opposed to Christ, that we actually start living in agreement with Christ and that spirit within us comes alive and begins being the energy and the source and the reality of our lives and things begin to happen and things begin to change. As we look at this, this, this passage, we have to kind of look and recognize, and we're going to kind of focus on verse 17 this morning. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new has come. The old, in this reality, is think about your old life. Think about the self 
that has always been at the, the helm of your life, the self that has, when it's in charge, the enemy just kind of has his way where things just seem to be stolen and killed and destroyed. When, when self is in charge, there may be moments of excitement. There may be moments of enjoyment. There may be things that are fun. But ultimately, when self is in charge, there's really nothing going on that's at peace. Because it's not who you were created to be. God did not think you and me up before creation and, and recognize that, you know, I, I want these people to be completely independent and just live their own lives apart from me. That's the opposite of what he intended for us. That's why he sent his son, that he could reconcile the world into himself, as we see in the next verses after this passage. And that we get to be agents of reconciliation. You see, this, this old self that we, that we know so well, because it is all that we have known of who we are, you know, got caught up in sin, got caught up in judgment, caught, got caught up in our, our own thoughts and our own ways, got caught up in, in, in having relationships the way we thought we wanted to have them, and, and everything was was kind of fixed on us. But see, my question for us this morning, and it's a reflective question, is what is the life that God has called you to? Because it's not a life that's called fixed on the self. It's a life that's called to be fixed on Christ. And when it's fixed on Christ, then it's fixed on the thing that Christ gives. And his, his great commandment to us is that we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbors ourselves. You see, there is something within us that has to come alive. There's something within us that is just waiting to be birthed, that is just waiting to come out, that is waiting to just rip off the, the, the wrapping of this gift that, has, that Christ has given us and that we receive, and is just waiting for the world to know. And the world waits eagerly for the saints to be revealed, as we see in Romans chapter 8. And, and there's something within us that is just waiting to come out and fully express and to know and to, to be the love of Christ. And so as we look at this passage, this old self, there's this, this question that I have to begin with is, how much of your life right now, if you were to take a reflective moment, and your life how much of your life resembles the life that you knew before you came to know Christ? And how much of it resembles Christ himself? Because where we're, we're caught up in just living life the way we've always lived it, when, in having things be the way that they've been, in thinking the same things that we've, that we've thought before, in finding offense just as easily as we found offense before, then we're missing this reality of this deposit within us. And that's what we're here to talk about this morning, this exclamation point. That Jesus Christ died on the cross that we could have and there'd be this reconciled life between us and God and then through us to the world. New creation. Let me ask you, what's new for you? If I could say, okay, miracle moment. You get to pick, you know, on, a, on an outwardly self, your flesh, your appearance, everything about what people can see. Uh, think of something you, you would, if you could just have a miracle moment, think of something you want different. Physically. What would you like different? Okay. Knock off 20 years. You know, I'd like to look 20 years younger. Knock off 20 pounds. I'll take that one. Right. What is it? What, what is something that you would like to just, if you could just kind of say, okay, here's my magic moment. Change about you and your appearance, right? Think about how much we spend ourselves on focusing on what we wear and what we, how we appear and, and, you know, whether or not we took a shower, or we combed our hair or, you know, our, our old nature is fixed on how we look. And yet 
Tom over here, when he became a Christian, Tom still looks the same that he did before he was a Christian. On the outside. But what about on the inside? Because on the inside, who you are and who I am is what matters in our relationships. Who you are and who I am on the inside is what matters to the world. Who I am and who you are is what matters to those that you love the most. And where that is not become new, then I have good news for you. There's an exclamation point. I have good news for you that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was dead and buried. And after the third day, he rose again. He came back to life. It is, it's almost inconceivable for us to, to conjure in our minds if we really think about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost you know, something that we can't understand. We talk about if you've been in church, you grew up in church, you hear resurrection and you just kind of come to like put it under the rugs like, oh, yeah, that's Jesus is alive. Of course, he was resurrected from the dead. But if you really think about the physics of the matter, like a man was dead for three days and now he is seated at the right hand of God, like that's just kind of crazy talk in a rational sense. And it's just as crazy to, to realize that there is a spirit that possesses your life and my life that wants to to come out of the shell of who we are. And it may not necessarily change the physical appearance of who we are. It didn't necessarily change the physical appearance of who Tom is, but it's absolutely changing the, the interior of who he is because Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives within you and within me. It's a new creation. And in this new creation that we're looking at in this in this passage in verse 17... Number one, this new creation is something that is a gift from God. It's not something that we earn. It's not something that we get credit for ourselves. It's not something that we can work toward and gain. It's not something that we can follow a certain level of rules and laws in order to then find favor with God and receive it. It is a gift. And there was a price that was paid, and it's something that we receive, but it is a gift from God. So you have to recognize that, number one, this creation, this new thing that is alive within you, if you've received the Spirit of God and confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this thing is a gift from God to you. You didn't, you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's been given to you. And by His mercy, He's given you that. And He's giving you grace upon your life to do things you never could do apart from that gift being in your life. Are you experiencing those gifts? Are you experiencing that grace? Are you encountering the Lord in your life outside these walls to do things and to be empowered to do things that you never could have imagined before? If you're not, then I've got a good news for you, and it's about an exclamation point. The new has come, and it's available to you and to me. You see, the reality about this, this creation is that it is something that God has done. Secondly, it is something that, that God has done and it requires a level of ownership. The root of this, of this word creation in the Greek has to do with ownership, that God now owns it. That your life and my life are now no longer our own as we hear, you know, this passage saying, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That it's no longer your life. Now, Christ has given and placed his spirit as a deposit within you, and you are now a new creation. You are now under new ownership. Self is still the steward, but the ownership has changed. 
So number one, it's something God has done for you and for me. Number two is there is an ownership that is involved. And number three, anything that has been created requires tending. God put us in a garden, right? And he gave, gave man responsibility to tend the garden. Anything that has life, here's a biological fact, anything that is living on this planet requires nourishment. I'm pausing to let that sink in. Anything that is alive requires nourishment. And if you and I are going to live in accordance with the Spirit and come more alive tomorrow than we were today, then there is something that the Lord desires to be nourished within us. That there is this, this work that He has done and He has paid the price for and He has given everything to make it available to you and I. But there is this reality of buying into and living our lives as a steward because he is now the owner and living as though he's the owner. Right? And then there's this, this requirement of if we're going to find life in this life that we have from the day we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and receive his, his spirit within us, if we're going to experience that life, then there has to be a tending to and a nourishment and a feeding and a growing toward and a desire for something more than what we've known because you leave a garden untended and just weeds pop up everywhere. Can I get an amen for any gardeners out there? Right? I mean, weeds just pop up. It doesn't take much, right? It's like being living in a world that is full of sin, right? You just show up and weeds, weeds, weeds are there. You have to fight back. The weeds, right? And it, it's, it's not about going and getting Roundup. It's about being able to tend, right? We don't have Roundup in the kingdom, right? It's, a, it's about getting down on your knees. Can I get an amen? And like reaching down and pulling out the root of that thing that has, that has sprung up and recognizing that, okay, now that I've got the roots out of this thing, it's not just going to pop up again. There's something more that God has in store for me because I'm tending to this garden and this garden is to produce life and life giving things and nourishment that feeds me and nourishment that feeds other people. Because this is what this garden of my life is about is that it's a garden that is, I'm to find nourishment from and others that I love. I get to share the vegetables with and, and feed others with, right? And so many times I think we're living like, what was that, what was that tomato plant that, you know, hangs upside down? Remember the infomercial, right? You know, we just got all that's all, that's all we got, right? There's no weeds growing in that thing because it's hanging upside down and the tomatoes come out the bottom and it's just enough for you to make a tomato sandwich. That's not the kingdom, right? That's not the kingdom. That's not reality. Maybe that will grow a tomato, but it's not a good analogy for your spiritual life. But yet, I think that's how we kind of live. We just live like, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm, I want to go to church on Sunday and get my tomato. And that's enough. I'm letting that sink in. Think about Jesus Christ hanging on that cross. And think about whether a tomato is enough. In view of the mercy that you and I have been shown, is that enough? Or has God have something more for you and more for me? Get this. Jesus Christ, the very same man that walked this planet gave his spirit up so that it could be sent for you and I to receive. And here's the news for the day. He's alive. 
within you? Does your life reflect that? Does the lady in the grocery store encounter Jesus when she sees you and when she checks out? Does the person walking by bananas the same time you walk by bananas? Think about Jesus walking through a grocery store, right? You think maybe he might have an effect on somebody in there? Or you think he just went in with his list and got kind of hyper-focused and, and just looking to check things off the list? You think that when Jesus went to the baseball field that he was just looking to see whether or not his kid was going to get a hit and be excited whether or not his kid's team won the game? Or do you think that Jesus was thinking about everybody sitting in the bleachers and everybody on each team and wondering, God, where's the opportunity? Show me what you're doing. Let me hear what you're saying. Let me join you in what you're doing because this is a kingdom moment. And let me just tell you, friends, here's the... Here's the awakening moment, right? If this is your kingdom moment, you're being deceived. You're living life as an imposter, being able to call yourself a Christian, and the Sunday morning being your kingdom moment. God has more. He died for more than that. He has a life of of excitement. He has a life of joy. He has a life of breakthrough. He has a life of power. He has a life of, of miracles and, who knows, signs and wonders. And we don't know what all he has in store. But when he's in charge and he gets to have his way, like something comes onto the scene. Because if you look at the Gospels and you read about who Jesus was, like there were crowds that started to follow this man because of the stuff that was happening. Because the authenticity of who he was when he interacted a person and he looked at them, like there was something within them that was pierced. Because they knew this man is authentic. This man is real. This man is the real deal. He's not like the other Pharisees or the other, the other rabbis or the other teachers of the law. There is something different about this man. He has an authority and he has a, a love that I've never seen before. That is who you are. Are you getting to experience it? Are you getting to live in it? Or have you been comfortable with having some holy moments? I love what David Platt says, and this is challenging. Where did I put it in my notes? I love what David says. He, he basically says, I can't find it in my notes, so I'll, I'll do my best to quote it. Oh, here it is. We should be concerned about the fact that if we have built our gospel around leading, peop- leading someone to say a prayer and make a confession that is not even in Scripture, we should have some concern With the fact that our gospel, the way we're living our gospel, is just leading someone to say a prayer or make a confession that is not even in the Bible. There is something so much more to who we can be and so much more for what Christ died on the cross for and so much more than what God has in store for you and for me. Because he is alive and he is not just alive, seated at the right hand of the father. That same spirit that brought him to life is alive within you and me and you get to express it. You get to experience it. But the enemy, I mean, I mean, the Sherman tank in the enemy's army in our culture is distraction. Right. I mean, if he can just distract us, if he can just get us 
off, off kilter. If he can just lead us a little bit in a different direction. If he can just put that six hours of Netflix in our way one more time. Just that we're, we're finding ourselves giving, not, not having time to be the hands and feet of Christ because we're, we're so distracted by the things going on. We're just so distracted by, oh, well, Johnny's up to bat next and I'm missing the chance to continue this conversation with my person sitting next to me on the bleacher. I have no problem with parents going to, to games of their kids and being invested into sports, right? It is a significant part of our culture. I have an absolute problem where if you go to that game, you're not going as Jesus Christ because you're missing the kingdom opportunity. You're missing Jesus getting to be alive in you and getting to reflect who he is to the people all around you. If you're going to a baseball game to try to win, you are missing life. And I say that with a smile on our face. Because you get to find life the next time you go. You get to find the things that God's calling us to. As we look at these four verses that I read, verse, verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. This is the new that comes. This is the new. The old is gone and now the new has come. And now there is a, com- a compelling of Christ's love within us that gets to be a new motivation that we've never had before. That just did not exist in the old self. Now there is a love that can well up. The spirit wants to break open the package and, and just show you and reveal to the world this love that your actions and your heart and your interests are compelled by. Verse 15, that you are no longer living for self because you are living for the one that the one Christ, the one who died for you and for me, that it's no longer living for self. Verse 15, that there is this new viewpoint that we're no longer viewing people based on the way that we see them and the way of the world and and judging them and and recognizing, well, I don't like this person because they cut me off in line or they ran faster than I did or they cut me off in traffic. And, you know, I don't like this or I don't like that. We no longer view people from a worldly standpoint. We view them as a person that Jesus Christ died on the cross for. Like, is that your viewpoint that you're seeing people by? Because if it's not, then I've got good news for you because it ends with an exclamation point. There is a new you that God wants you to experience. And when you begin experiencing that new you, you won't be the same again out there. Maybe the old you could find some new energy and some new excitement and come into church on Sunday morning and having something stir the emotions or stir the feelings during worship. And oh, what in church so good today. As Christians, we are not called to come to church. Did you know that? As Christians, we are called to be the church. This is not church. That's church, and that's church, and that's church. And, and, and in about 20 minutes, that goes out of the building. So where'd church go? It left the building. That's God's plan, right? He didn't send his spirit to, to reside in a sanctuary. He sent his spirit to reside in you. That's the presence of God. When we gather together, it is a good thing. Don't, I'm not knocking church. This is beautiful. This is God's plan. This is God's desire. But the, we're missing the reality of the, of the biggest plan and the biggest desire is you get to experience the new you, exclamation point. 
And when you get to experience the new you, there's something in you that just comes alive and you can't stand it because the wrapping has come off. And you're like a a six year old kid that got that one gift. Right. It was a Schwinn bicycle for me. And I had been a naughty kid and I knew I wasn't getting that Schwinn bicycle. It was chrome and it had a spider sprocket. And I was excited on my wish list. But I knew that I was 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 not being a good kid. And so I shouldn't be expecting that that Schwinn bicycle when I was eight years old. But guess what? Praise God for mercy. I love that Schwinn bicycle. I love my spider sprocket. I love showing it off to my friends. And friends, you don't even know that you've got a spider sprocket inside of you right now. You don't even really know that thing is decked out in chrome. Because for so many of us, it's still wrapped up. It's still wrapped up and we're still living according to the old self. With our old desires and our own old temptations and our own feelings and our own thoughts and our own judgments. But man, you've got something living inside of you that the world can't wait to see. And does everybody know you as that person? I had a, I had a nudge this week. I had a great moment. You heard me share if you were here a few weeks ago when I spoke. My son, youngest son, Will, and I, on Fridays, we go to, um, to Waffle House uh, for special breakfast. It's something we've done. It started off, we just kind of did on birthdays. And then I like breakfast too much for it to last. It just did birthdays. I'm saying that when they're not here so that they don't know that I have a selfish motivation there. But we do, we do, we do special breakfast a little more often than just birthdays now. And, um, but we, we, we do special breakfast. And so... Will and I started going to Waffle House near his school, and a few months back, we um, we befriended our, our waitress. She just seemed to be waiting on us every time, and uh, and we got to know her name, and I asked if I could pray with her one morning, right? And and prayed with her, and it was a great moment. And a couple weeks later, we're going to, to breakfast at Waffle House, and Will's like, well, can we pray for Miss Cheryl? You know, I was like, yeah. Excited. Get to pray for Miss Cheryl the whole drive there. We're praying for Miss Cheryl. And I was like, I told Will, I was like, you know, if the Lord gives you some kind of picture or some kind of encouragement to share with her, then let's talk about it. Maybe it's something that the, that's the thought that the Lord's placing in your head, not your own thought. Right. And so I woke up one morning um, and I was having a dream. I, I think I told the story. I was seeing a hand draw the name Bernard and I woke up and we were going to Waffle House that morning. And, and I felt like I need to ask Miss Cheryl about that. I thought it might be her husband's name. And, it, and, it, and I asked her about it, and it wasn't. And I was like, there's something that was, I sensed it was not me. And so I continued asking, and sure enough, it was her father-in-law's name, Bernard. I mean, it's not a common name, right? And so, long story short, that started something more happening between Miss Cheryl and, and, and Will and I. And so uh, we've talked to her a couple different times since then and, uh, and prayed for her, and she's kind of opened up. And two weeks ago, we went to, now you're going to like this, two weeks ago, we went to Waffle House, and she brings out... She brings Will's plate over to sit in front of him, and then she didn't bring mine. And I, I looked, and she walked back over, and she's kind of doing something to my plate. I mean, you know, when somebody's doing something to your plate, you're kind of like, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, what are they doing to my plate? And, and I, I like raisin toast with apple butter, okay? And she had peeled back the little lids on the apple butter and put them on there just just nice to present it to me, just just a little extra affection to show me, right? And I was like, oh, isn't that sweet, right? And then I got a nudge this week. 
home. Let me tell you about Thursday. Thursday, I, was 20, I woke up 20 minutes early. I got, Will and I went by Sonic for breakfast. And I ordered, just so you know, the, the supersonic burrito without jalapenos and onions. And um, we get driving down the interstate and I take a bite. And what you know, there's a jalapeno in there. And I don't do jalapenos. It's good for all of us. And, and I don't like raw onions. So, so I, I, you know, Will's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'll just take it back. I'm, we, we got extra time this morning. We're not in a hurry. So I dropped him off at school, went back through the line, drove up, told the lady, I've got jalapenos and onions. And she's like, no problem. And, and I sat there, and this was a little moment of self-reflection. I realized, you know, if I was in a hurry, I'd be hangry. Like, I wouldn't be getting breakfast. I wouldn't have time to come back here. And I would be sitting here fuming, upset, waiting very impatiently that they messed up my order and I didn't get what I wanted. But I got 20 minutes. I didn't care. Like, I I sat there in peace realizing, you know what, I'm really calm right now. Like, it wasn't a big deal. I had time to drive back through. Sonic was kind of on the way back. And I got to have my burrito the way I wanted it, right? And I wasn't upset with the lady. I was kind and generous. And I was just like, the Lord just kind of showed me. He's like, see what 20 minutes will do? See what taking just a little bit of time and getting out from behind that curtain of, of, of distraction and that curtain of hurry. You know, Dallas Willard says the most important thing you can do to nurture, right, to tend to your spiritual life is to rigorously rid yourself of hurry. You've got to eliminate it from your life. And I just had one of those truth moments while I was sitting in a sonic drive through for heaven's sakes. It's like, I'm not in a hurry and everything's at peace. I'm not angry at this lady. I'm not upset. It, maybe everybody makes mistakes, right? Thursday afternoon, I'm going to pick Will up from school and I had 20 extra minutes. So I decided to go sit in the parking lot and pray, right? I'm a pastor. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do, too. So. Um, <laughs> So I sat, I sat in the parking lot, and, and, and I got a nudge, right? I got a nudge, and, and I picked Will up from school, and I said, you know, I've taught you all your life. You know, you guard your heart. If you make life about you, you're not guarding your heart, and your heart gets sad, and it gets ill, right? Since, since they could understand words, right? This is what we're taught. And, and you, get, you get mopey, and you get frustrated, and you get angry, and you, 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 know, you cry when you're a little kid, Right? When you make life about you, but when you make life about God and other people, your heart gets happy and life gets easy. Right. And I said, Will, you know, you've heard me a thousand times talk about this guard your heart principle that Solomon talks about in Proverbs to his sons. Right. You've heard me talk about a thousand times tomorrow. We're going to make a heart. We're going to make your heart happy day. Right. So we went by the party store, whatever the name of the party store is. Right. What's the name of the party city? And we go in and we buy balloons and, base, uh, and birthday hats and little blow things and, and, and ribbons and bow ties and, and some crazy stuff. And, and I told Will, I said, tomorrow we're going to go have Miss Cheryl's birthday. Right? We're going to go into Waffle House and we're going to throw a birthday party for Miss Cheryl. We're going to stop by Publix and we're going to get a cake. We're going to decorate it and get her name on it. So watch this video.
precious you know when I got that nudge while I was sitting in the parking lot before picking Will up from school I just was like I just started crying I was like that's you Lord I don't show you this video to pat myself on the back church isn't about coming to a place that's church Do you recognize that's church? Because, I don't know if you can see her, but the lady sitting at the counter recognized it as church. She wrote up this big thing and posted it on Facebook. And she's like, can I have your email address? And I handed her my card. She's like, I want to send it to you so you can see it. She's like, she looked at my card and saw his pastor. She said, that makes sense. There's something inside of me that when that nudge hit me in the parking lot, I just started crying because I was like, yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. I get to experience and I get to show Miss Cheryl some love because I guess I'm just way too comfortable being a fuddy-duddy sometimes that I wouldn't think to do those things. And so, but when it hit me, I was like, I don't care. Will, we got to go all out. we got to buy ties. And I, I'm kind of a cheapskate sometimes. It's like, we're going we're gonna to buy the hats. We're going to buy balloons. We're going to buy a cake. We're going to go all out because, quite frankly, this could not go over well if, it didn't, if we didn't. Because I didn't even mention to you that it wasn't Miss Cheryl's birthday. Her birthday wasn't until July 5th, we found out when we got there. But we just made it, we made it celebrate Cheryl Day. And we walked in singing happy birthday. We didn't film that part. Singing in happy birthday. And, and everybody in the store just kind of looked at us like, what in the world's going on? And she just started weeping, right? And, you know, I just felt this prompting. I felt this nudge. And I just wanted Jesus to come out. I wanted Jesus to express himself and it not be about me, Right. And so please forgive me if you hear me telling a story about me. I don't want you to hear a story about me. Please hear this in the context. I risk that. Please hear this in the context that I got to experience life and joy and excitement within me because Jesus got to come out. And that's what he wants to do in you and in me. And he paid a price for that to happen. And he wants to get to come out. He's ready for the paper to come off the the package and for you to get to experience the life that he died so you and I can have. There's an exclamation point. My question is for you. Are you ready to let him have his way? Are you ready to no longer consider people from a worldly perspective? Are you ready to, to dive into th- these passages and, and recognize that My life is not about my life. My life now is to live for the one who died for me. Because this love that has been placed inside of me now compels me to go outside the walls and encounter the world and the living God waiting. I'm going to ask Aaron to come up and as we transition into, into some worship, I have 
some reflective thoughts for you to, to chew on. The old versus the new. You've had relationships in your life before you knew Christ, but are those relationships being transformed? Is there a new vision? Is there a new perspective in the relationships you have? Or are the people at work still just the people at work? Have your inner thoughts been transformed to where the thoughts that you used to think in the old self are no longer the thoughts that you're thinking in your in your inner self? Like to even imagine what those could be is like, oh, my gosh, I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't think that thought. I don't want to get near that thought. Right. Are the things that you're doing, the deeds, the actions of your life, are they still the same things that they have been? Are you still just going to the ballpark hoping to, to get a win? Or are you are you going with a different purpose and a different plan? Are the dreams, ambitions and desires changed because the spirit of God has come into your life? Have the joys that you experience been transformed where it used to be? Maybe you got excited about winning the game. Now you get excited because you had the conversation with the person sitting next to you that God was somehow in the middle of and God was building something. Are the things that give you joy different than the things that used to give you joy? Are the pains that you experience different than the pains that you used to experience? Are the pains that you experience a broken hearted when broken heart when you see someone standing by the sign by the by the street holding up a cardboard sign are, are the the things that you're are breaking your heart the same things that used to break your heart is the love that you're expressing the same thing and, and ultimately that last one is expression is jesus christ expressing himself through you because if he's not you're missing life who do you think was more excited about going to waffle house friday morning Miss Cheryl or me? She came to me right before we left. She said, you have no idea how much I needed this today. My aunt passed away last night, and we were so close. I hadn't slept all night. And as she just cried, tears of joy and laughter behind the counter a couple minutes earlier, she's just like, man, sometimes when the tear bucket gets turned on, you just can't turn it off. She was excited. She was full of joy. She was overwhelmed because she was being celebrated. And all that she knew until that moment, until we happened to walk in the door, until Jesus, through me and Will, changed the scene, right, and introduced something else, was just hurt and mourning and sad from her loss. God has divine appointments waiting for you and for me. Out in the lobby, there's a table, and on that table, there's a book. The name of that book is, what is the name of the book? Everybody Always. Thank you. Everybody Always. Bob Goff. Challenge you to get a copy of the book. We're charging 15 bucks for it. You can't get this deal on Amazon, because on Amazon, I think we paid 11.55. <laughs> We're charging 15 bucks, and this is why you can't get the deal on Amazon is because we're charging extra because we're going to take 25 of those books and we're going to give them away to 25 of you to go give away outside the walls. But if you like my Miss Cheryl story, then read the book. God's Spirit is alive within you and He's waiting to come out and express Himself in the world. Welcome to the journey.
Father, thank you for who you are. That you have done the work. You are the owner. You are the keeper. You invite us to tend. Father, forgive us where we have failed to pluck the weeds and to, to nourish the, the seeds that you've planted within us. Lord, the world is waiting with expectation for the saints to be revealed. And I pray right now that your spirit just comes through as a, as a wind and catches the sails of who we are, Lord. But just hold up our hands this morning like we're putting up a sail and say, take me, take me. Make church something beyond a place that I go, Lord. Let me let me be the church. Unwrap this package that you've placed inside of me and let me grow into the person you created me to be and let the world stand and notice that you are good. Have your way in our lives this morning, Jesus.